Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike, and I am on my way to work for another short day of work. Just an hour and a half of classes. I'll actually end up driving about the same amount of time as I'll end up teaching. <laughs> so I have about an hour and a half round trip today. Uh, and I'll teach for about an hour and a half. So there you go. Um, yeah, so heading to the kindergarten this morning, and, uh, believe it or not, I actually have a topic I want to talk over, and, uh, um, discuss. Um, so, last night, our, uh, our gathering, which was a virtual gathering last night on Zoom, uh, my wife uh, has been studying Ephesians, so, so we decided to go ahead and study Ephesians with our group uh, for now. And we uh, were tasked with reading through Ephesians twice uh, before coming, and I did not complete that. <laughs> not that I haven't ever read through Ephesians. I have many times, but uh, I, I, I think I got through about four or five chapters. But anyway, we were only talking about the first chapter, so I'll try to do better next time. Uh, but... Um, if you know uh, anything about Ephesians, you know that either Ephesians chapter 1 is incredibly difficult to understand for you, uh, or uh, you see it as one of the most important uh, chapters of Pauline theology. Uh, and that's how I see it. I love, I love Ephesians, uh, Colossians, Romans especially. I have just amazing, uh, compact chapters of incredibly dense theology. Uh, and so anyway, we, we read that and, and uh, Paul refers to Jesus there. Uh, one of the many times he does so is as the all in all, Christ as the all in all. And uh, so that was kind of on my mind and, and reading through and, and discussing chapter one last night was awesome. Like it was just beautiful uh, and, and the theme that we kind of uncovered, possibly two themes, but one theme was Paul wanted to assure the Ephesian Christians and, and probably Gentile Christians every, everywhere that they had been adopted as sons, that they had full inheritance and full, full benefits, if you will, as, as sons of God. Uh, and that and that they were lacking in nothing, that they have been given every spiritual gift, uh, and that they are they are in no way inferior to uh, Jewish Christians, for example. And that seemed to be one of his goals uh, in chapter one. And uh, let me see, uh, talking about yeah, that, that their salvation uh, has been guaranteed by the Holy Spirit, right? The fact that they have received uh, the Spirit is a guarantee that they they have received their full inheritance, or uh, I'm just, uh, you know, summing up, really. Uh, and now, the other, the other theme that, that my wife brought up, I'm going to miss, and it was a really great one, too. I may have to come back to that, I can't. It's not popping in my head right now. 
Oh, it had to do with the mystery of Christ, revealing the mystery of Christ uh, to the Ephesian Christians, and again, all Gentile Christians, uh, which was to reconcile all humanity to himself, or all, all everything, right, the all in all, to reconcile everything to himself by the cross. So in the cross, Christ reconciled everything to himself. Or, or another way to say that, he is reconciling everything to himself. Uh, and again, that plays into the all-in-all all scripture. And uh, uh, there's a, also a verse that, we, that Cam brought in from chapter 3, which talks about uh, um, something about the height and depth and breadth, breadth and width uh, of, of uh, I don't know, God's love or something. I can't remember exactly. But it was a, another kind of all-encompassing, any way you can measure it kind of thing. Is, is in Christ and Christ is in all and all are in Christ so it was this idea and uh, so this morning when I woke up or you know I, I was in bed for a while but one thing that came across was uh, uh, a I guess I'll call him a Facebook friend He's, he used to be the principal of my kids uh, and a teacher he's now back in Canada, but he he's uh, very much, I would say, on the liberal side of things, or at least conservatives would put him there. Uh, I think he's pretty level-headed, actually, um, but I, I definitely don't lean right. Um, anyway, he acknowledged that the right to bear arms by Americans is supported by the Constitution. But he asked, are there any Christians out there who are, who are willing to put up a biblical argument for the right to bear arms? Uh, yeah. So he put that out there. And so I, I, you know, I wrote back, and these, these are things I've talked about before, and I, you know, I said that I, I think this is the wrong way uh, to go about it because people can find arguments for the right to bear arms in the Bible. People can find arguments for the right to do almost anything in the Bible. From from baby killing, uh, to rape and incest, to slavery, to whatever. Uh, you can find it in the Bible. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean uh, that uh, it's a biblical argument. And anyway, I said the Bible is, is not you know, made to be used as a rule book for people to justify their immoral behavior, because you can, right? You can, you can pretty much use the Bible to justify anything you want to believe. Um, okay, but instead, the Bible contains progressive, uh, a historical record of the progressive understanding of humanity, of the divine. Right, so as as they meet God and go through the Old Testament, they come to a better and better understanding. But there's still a pretty huge gap, and then Jesus comes in and, and settles it once for all: who God is and what He's up to. Okay, so, but I thought 
uh, while talking to him, I brought up Colossians, uh, and that Colossians 1 talks about how Christ is preeminent to everything, to all the cosmos, uh, to everything. And then Hebrews uh, brings up that he is supreme to Moses, and he's he's the most supreme high priest, and 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 so it brings up the supremacy of Christ, right? The preeminence of Christ and the supremacy of Christ, both in Colossians, well, really in Ephesians, uh, Colossians, but then in Hebrews as well. And so, when when the Hebrew writer brings up that Christ is supreme to Moses, that he is worthy of more honor than Moses. Uh, you might say that whatever Christ says should bear more weight than Moses. He's talking there, <clears throat> not about the person Moses so much, um, because we don't know what Moses said, but we have his supposed writings, the writings that are attributed to him, which are the first five books uh, of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch of the Torah. <clears throat> and and uh, this book contains the law of Israel, right? Uh, and some of those laws do come up against Christ, right? They, they do seem to... Um, what do you say, uh, contradict maybe Christ's words. But it dawned on me this morning that that the Hebrew writer was doing more than saying that Christ is superior to Moses, right? Obviously Christ created Moses, right? Christ is the, the creator God. But he was saying that, that Christ is superior to the writings of Moses. Christ is superior, if you will, to Scripture. Okay, and and I think that's what I think that's what the Hebrew writer must have been getting at, in a very subtle, uh, but but great way. When he says Christ is supreme to Moses. He is taking on the single greatest, most revered hero of the Jewish people. Remember, the book is called Hebrews. It's written to, uh, to Jewish people. Christ is superior to Moses is really important because Christ's words, for example, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you are in direct violation of much of the uh, war and killing and genocide that happens in the book of Exodus, for example. Not to mention uh, capital punishment that is uh, condoned in the, in the books of uh, Leviticus and Numbers, maybe Deuteronomy, I'm not sure exactly where they are, and all of the other uh, punishments that are listed for certain sins. Oh, by the way, coffee check. I am drinking 
inexpensive Columbia blend <laughs> from Yamaya. <laughs> I have only roasted once this week and I, I didn't roast much because our cafe has been closed down. Uh, so I just bought a big bag of, of cheap uh, Columbia blend uh, roasted beans. It's not very great, but if you get the blend, the, the grind right, it's not offensive. That's really the best thing I can say about it. It's probably <clears throat> over-roasted, which it does seem like it. But I have a feeling if I were to pick through the beans, I could probably get... <clears throat> a much uh, better roast. I, I noticed when looking at the beans that there were uh, several um, immature beans in the mix uh, that if they were taken out it might give a more uniform and better flavor. Then again, you just don't know. It could it could take away from any of the good flavor that's actually there. <laughs> that may be all the good flavor you get. <laughs> Sorry, totally off the subject. Um, so the Hebrew writer was establishing that Christ is supreme to Moses. And of course, at the time, uh, the New Testament didn't really exist, right? All they had was the Old Testament and the old writings, uh, the old scripture of the Hebrews, right? That's what they had that was scripture. <clears throat> wow. This lady just got right in front of me. Um... So that's all they had. That was scripture to them. Um, and so he, he's taking on the, the notion that, that Moses and his writings are beyond reproach, saying that, that Christ is supreme to Moses. Um, and he goes on to say, he goes on, right? It's not just Moses. Uh, he goes on to say that basically Christ is supreme to the priesthood of Aaron. So not only is he supreme to the writings of the Hebrew people, he's also su supreme to the priesthood or, or the leadership or the church uh, of the Jewish people, right? He's supreme to that. So not only is he supreme to scripture, he is supreme to tradition. Oh, this is just kind of coming to me, right? Now, of course, the, the priests... Uh, were known to try to follow the law to the letter, but but oftentimes they had to resort to their own resort, sorry, to their own tradi traditions in order to make ends meet, uh, or to to make the law tenable, or uh, tenable is the wrong word, followable, <laughs> obeyable, because uh, law is incredibly strict, right? Uh, and so not only is Christ supreme to the written word, he's also supreme to the traditions of the ruling class of the church. He's supreme to that as well. Wow. Now I wish I would have read through Hebrews. I just glanced at it, at it this morning as I was um, yeah, trying to find the, the correct reference to the supremacy of Christ. I wish I would have read all of that. <laughs> Because he says that Christ is not of the priesthood. He's our high priest, right? He's not of the priesthood of Aaron. He's, he's uh, of the line of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek, of course, is a, uh, an incredibly enigmatic um, figure in the Old Testament. He was one of those uh, 
beings that shows up that doesn't seem to be quite human and at the same time doesn't seem to be maybe God. And it's really difficult to know who Melchizedek was or the nature of his being. In the Old Testament, there's a few people like that. <clears throat> uh, the other ones would be the visitors to, to Abraham's tent. Um, it's hard to know exactly who they were, although there are references to them as well. They were angelic beings, and maybe even Christ himself. So, uh, yeah, the Paul's... I don't, I don't think Paul ever foresaw that we would use his own scripture to... Um, to go against his own scripture. <laughs> I don't think he saw his writings as scripture, in other words. He was talking about the Old Testament. But I think we have to apply the the very same controls um, to New Testament as well, right? Everything written in the New Testament also must be considered inferior to the person of Christ. It's written scripture, even Paul is inferior to Christ himself. And the written words in the New Testament must be inferior to Christ himself. Only Christ, right? Only Christ uh, can be superior or can be supreme uh, over, over those people in those writings. And so the question is... And this is a question everyone will have. Well, if it's not written scripture that has been tested and tested over thousands of years that is supreme or has has authority, uh, and it's not it's not the traditions of the church over again thousands and thousands of years of practice and trial and error uh, and tradition that has authority. If it is indeed Christ Himself who is supreme over all, how do we get Christ? How do we get Him? How, how, how can we be sure that the commands we are receiving... Okay, I'm speaking in, 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 in you know, law language here. Um, I don't believe that that's how Christ speaks to us. But if we're trying to figure out, in other words how best to live to please Christ, then we have to somehow get the best. We have to learn to hear from Christ himself. There's no other way. Maybe, okay, I'm going to just start brainstorming here. Perhaps this, this goes back to the idea that Paul told the Ephesians that you can know that you are adopted sons and heirs of Christ because of the spiritual blessings you have received. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the guarantor, the guarantor, the guarantee uh, that, that Christ is with you. And I think that's, that's certainly a great thing. The problem is, I don't know any Christian who trusts all of the so-called Holy Spirit experiences that have existed or exist in the world that everybody claims have happened. All of the healings or tongues or, or whatever, whatever it may be. I don't know anybody that accepts 
all purported spiritual happenings to be of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying I don't know anybody who would agree that, you know, even people not of their group, not of their ilk, um, who have had spiritual encounters. For example, for example, uh, we have uh, people who are charismatic or Pentecostal who, who believe in the manifested gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit, such as speaking in tongues and healing and, and prophecy and all of these things, right? Um, do they agree that when the Catholic Church acknowledges a miracle such as a statue of Mary crying blood uh, in you know a small town in Italy in the mountains, uh, both both people are, are saying that this is a, a, a miracle. In other words, um, God intervening in the in the physical world, right? Um, do the Pentecostals believe the Catholics? Well, the Catholics believe the Pentecostals. And that's just an extreme example. Um, so, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> um, so, I don't think anybody exists that would agree that all again, purported spiritual happenings are of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and if that's the case, then you have a problem and you have to discern. You have to discern the spirits, which, which spirits are of God, which spirits are not, right? Then you have that problem and then you're into opinion and, and, and uh, right? It's very subjective. Uh, it's not an easy process that everyone will accept, right? And even if you come down with a judgment, not everyone is going to accept that. So I guess what I'm saying is that we can't agree on which spiritual happenings are of God and who, uh, and which are not, right? I don't know anybody that agrees that just say that all of them are of God. Um, so, I had, to, I had a conclusion to make. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. What was I talking about before that? It's so weird getting distracted by your next thought that is in line with all of your other thoughts, or at least in your own head it is. Uh, and then you totally get distracted by your own thoughts. So I guess I should backtrack and maybe I'll pick up the scent again. Um, so, yeah, Jesus' priesthood is of Melchizedek, which is uh, a different kind, a, 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 a priesthood that is not under the uh, auspices of the church, not, not subject to their authority. When I say the church, I mean uh, the church of the time, the priesthood, right? Uh, he was different and separate and, and before. He existed before the priesthood existed anyway. Melchizedek did. He was uh, he's spoken of during the time of Abraham. So, uh, Christ himself is preeminent, right? To everything, okay? 
And I suppose he's preeminent even to spiritual happenings. So the question is, how in the world, how in the world can we know that we have Christ and that he has us? I guess that's another way to say that. How can we know? Right? How do we how do we get to that point? Sorry, I'm going through some some construction. So yeah, I, I think Yes, of course, the, the, the Holy Spirit, if you have gifts of the Spirit that are manifesting in your life, uh, that, are, that are running parallel with the life of Christ, with the character of Christ that we find in the Gospels, uh, that we know to be the character of Christ. For example, uh, enemy loving, uh, giving, forgiving, forgiving. Uh, Nonviolent, right? It's not that scripture is not useful, but there there must be parts of scripture, especially the ones about Jesus, because they speak to the character of God. They must be given greater weight than other parts of scripture that contain incomplete understandings of the divine. And this is why Christ, and therefore I would say even the Gospels, parts of Scripture, are supreme over other parts of Scripture. I think you have to say that. It doesn't mean that the other parts of Scripture are not useful. But what they are useful for is very much an argument for discernment. For example, is the book of Joshua useful uh, when your country wants to go to war and needs a scriptural uh, biblical justification for it. Can you use the book of Joshua for that? Is that okay? Right? Can Joshua, the book of Joshua, be the authority that gives you permission to go to war for your country against other countries and kill? Or uh, without without going to Jesus, right? Without going to Jesus, for example, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who mourn. All of these things are, are you know, war tries to undo. Right. If you're going to war, the kind of the kind of beatitudes you want are: blessed are those who destroy their enemies. Blessed are those who kill their enemies. Blessed are those who take territory for their country. Right. Blessed are those who sacrifice their lives for their country in battle. Okay. Those are the kind of beatitudes you need. And so you're not going to find them in Jesus. And so if you if you defer to uh, Joshua and other books in the Old Testament uh, and you bypass Jesus altogether so that you can get biblical permission to do 
what it is your country wants to do and what is in your country's best interest, uh, then he might as well not have Jesus at all. What's the purpose of Jesus? To save you when you die, but not to have anything to say while you live? No, Christ is supreme. Christ is supreme. Christ was found in Jesus while he was on the earth. Uh, and Christ lived before Jesus. Christ lives now. Christ is supreme. He is preeminent. He is before all, all things. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the all in all. All things are held together in him. And he holds all things together. Christ is preeminent. So what does this mean? I mean how, how, can we, how can we live in a way that we testify to this truth? Um, and again, this is what I think Paul was trying to get at in several of his writings as well as the Hebrew writer. I think he was trying to get at things of Jesus are weightier than the things of the rest of Scripture, even Moses himself, even the priesthood, even the sacrificial system. The sacrifice of Christ is superior to the sacrifice of animals. And therefore, the sacrifice of Christ does away with the sacrifice of animals. Um, you can't use the Bible that way and give it any honor. The Bible is a historical record of the understanding, the progressive understanding of people of God. Right? The people who knew God, who thought about God, who wanted to know God, they wrote down their incomplete understanding of Him. And that's what, that's what the Old Testament is. It's not a rule book to be thumbed through until you find a statute that justifies what you have done or want to do. Horrible usage of the book. This guy keeps slamming on his brakes in front of me. He's driving me nuts. Come on, man. I gotta pass you. I will pass you. So I don't rear end you. So, anyway, yeah. Um, that was the discussion. Not all of that. I didn't write all of that down this morning on my iPhone. But that's part of the discussion I had this morning, and it really, uh, really did me good. Like, I, I enjoyed it. It was um, incredibly stimulating to my mind uh, about some of the things we had read last night and, and maybe uh, a possible direction where all of this stuff might be going. Um... 
so yeah I think I think not only do we need to believe that Christ is supreme I think we have to work that out like how does that how does that work out in my understanding of everything Christ is supreme if if okay let's do this if Christ is supreme to Moses and his writings if Christ is supreme to the priesthood if Christ is supreme to David the greatest king of Israel if Christ is supreme to all the prophets and all the priests if Christ is supreme to Paul and all of his writings if Christ is supreme to the church and he must be supreme because he's, he has all authority if Christ is supreme to the entire church that has ever existed let's say the universal church not any one uh, manifestation of it if Christ is supreme to creation every physical thing that's ever been created by Christ himself if Christ is preeminent in his creation if indeed there is nothing that is superior to Christ and no one well then the constitution of the USA must you know be a no brainer <laughs> come on the constitution is inferior to Christ the United States and its laws are inferior to Christ. No matter what your law says, that you can bear arms and defend yourself with lethal force, and no matter what your pastor's interpretation of Paul obeying the laws of the land means, and no matter your interpretation of written scripture where you have manipulated it to show that you are allowed to defend yourself and cherry-picked the right scriptures to support that even if an angel from heaven should come down and tell you that you have the inalienable right to defend yourself with lethal force all of that, all of it. The even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which I have preached to you, let him be accursed. This is Paul talking, right? So even if you think you've received some kind of a special addendum, right? Uh, newsflash, there are no amendments to the gospel. There are no amendments to the gospel. And if you're seeking for amendments to the gospel, you know not Christ. Christ is supreme to it all. I'm American. I, in some ways, I'm very patriotic. Like, it's, it's almost a natural thing for me. 
you know, the USA is playing somebody in, in whatever, I'm for the USA, you know, usually. It's just natural. It's, it's something that I instinctively do. It's how I've been programmed. I was raised in the, in the heartland of America and, and raised to, uh, taught to, indoctrinated to, believe in, support, and defend the United States. So I have some physical reactions that happen to me, even chemical reactions, adrenaline and whatnot, uh, when America is up against something, right? This is my programming. I think I've gone a long way, or hopefully, I, I hope it's been the Holy Spirit in me who has gone a long way to reprogram me. To be a little bit more discerning about the the actions the United States the United States has taken and supports and and you know whatever. In fact, I think I'm a fairly outspoken critic of America and the American government. But um, as much as I love my country. Christ is supreme. Christ has to be supreme over that. The United States is an illusion. Just like borders are an, are an illusion, right? They, it's not something that naturally exists, right? There's something that Americans have arbit arbitrarily drawn up to separate people, to, to define people. Um, you know, this is us and that's them kind of stuff. But... Christ has to be supreme over that. And I hope the longer I live, the more and more I am able to subject myself under Christ's supremacy in everything. Christ is supreme to my own understanding of Christ. Christ must be supreme to, to everything. So I guess my disclaimer is because Christ is supreme to my understanding of him. Everything I've said needs to be discerned, right? And it has to be weighed out. And some things may float up and some things may float down to the garbage. Um, because Christ has to be supreme to everything. Um, and only then... Only then can we start to understand just how incredible it is that he has brought us close as sons. He has given us a full inheritance. That he does not wish to subjugate us, even though we should wish to be subject to him. But his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Right? We don't we don't go unto him to serve him. We go to him to get rest. To stop having to serve to please. He says, you please me because you please me. And that's enough. The supremacy of Christ and the recognition of his supremacy 
hopefully will bring us to the point of realizing just how amazing his love is that even though he is so supreme to everything and everyone that he chooses to love us to forgive us regardless of our weaknesses our disobedience our hate and our ignorance He loves us and accepts us because Christ is supreme he and only he can make us supreme because Christ is supreme only he could make us more important than himself he places us in the highest place as proven by the cross. Yes, he is supreme and he is preeminent, but he has placed us in that place. Though we don't deserve it, his love gave him no choice but to do that. And so he patiently waits for us to just understand, uh, to, you know, to understand and to, to start to lean into to live into just how much he loves us. Which can't be overestimated. Man, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm running late. I guess there's so much road construction. I've been following this dump truck the whole time. Anyway, not too late. A minute late. So I'm going to have to stop it right there because I'm going to have to run right in the building. Um, would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, and God bless you guys. Bye.